Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone from the band Black Swan, it is vocalist Robin McCauley. The band, of course, features Reb Beach, Jeff Pilson, and Matt Starr. Debut album is out now called Shake the World. But uh, before we get over to Robin, uh, I was supposed to have Don Dawkin on the phone this week. And I was on the phone with a comedian, uh, Don Jameson, talking about his new uh, Denim and Laughter album. And we said, hey, why don't we, we do a talk up? I, I have Don calling me in a couple hours. Why don't we do a, a talk up? And we'll use it as the introduction and, and we'll call it the Don and Don show. It'll be great and so on and so forth. So we recorded this introduction, and it was funny. Uh, we did it right after we had done the uh, Kirk uh, Weinstein Weinstein interview, and, and it, we just thought, okay, we'll do a Don and Don. It, it'll be funny. And then, of course, for whatever reason, Don wasn't able to call in. Uh, might be health-related. I'm not really sure, but anyway, Don wasn't able to call in. And I was thinking, man, now, now I've lost this great talk-up with Don Jameson. And you know what? Forget that. I'm not losing a great talk-up just because an interview didn't happen. So I'm going to play the talk-up that we did for the Don Dawkins episode, which is currently not happening. And I want you to go out there and support Don Jameson and pick up his uh, Denim and Laughter album. And when you're done with all of that, head over to whatever, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your music... And check out the Black Swan Shake the World album with uh, vocalist Robin McCauley and, and, of course, Reb Beach and Jeff Pilson, both who spent time with Dawkins, now a foreigner in Whitesnake. And, and uh, just enjoy this episode and this introduction for what it is. And uh, on that, here is my original introduction for the Don Dawkins episode that is not happening this week, here is comedian Don Jameson and myself having fun. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Oh, look at that. I'm going all French on you. Uh, joining me on the phone from sunny California, it is Don Dawkins. Lots of great stuff coming up with Dawkins. New music and a tour with, with George Lynch, which you got to like. And of course, joining me again, by popular demand, in fact, my mom phoned me and said, who's that nice fella you had on the beginning of the show last week? And I said, well, it's Don Jameson. She goes, you should have him on again. So here he is. Uh, bonjour, Don. How are you? Oh, bonjour, and uh, si vous pouvez, ne prenez pas le volant. Yes, exactly. And, and my mom was very, very, very supportive of your last guest appearance. I must say she loved it. I appreciate uh, Miss, <laughs> Miss, Miss or Mrs. LaFon because yes. uh, she's given uh, the world of uh, hard rock and metal music the great Mitch LaFon. And so uh, we love that. There you go. Now, uh, Denim and Laughter is your new album. We talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, talk to me a little bit more about this. Will there be a Denim and Laughter world tour, or as we like to call it, will you play Toronto? Well, you know, I was in Toronto, uh, you know, the last year at the, the towards the end of the year with the with the great Nashville Pussy, and so we did go through uh, Toronto and, and Montreal and uh, pretty much every 
crack and crevice in between there and, and Vancouver, and we had a blast doing it. And, um, yeah, we are. I'm going actually to perform for the first time ever in the U.K. and Europe, opening for uh, Biff Byford, which is uh, fitting because uh, Denim and Laughter is obviously a parody of Denim and Leather. And uh, Biff has a solo album out, and I'm going to open for him. And when I sell my CDs after the show, you know, I'm hoping that people think I'm selling a copy of Denim and Leather, and I get a whole bunch of accidental sales. Well, you know, if, if you just sort of skew the the CD on top and make it just sort of look at just see den, denim and you don't they actually don't see the laughter, you probably could could you know uh, get a few out the door. But that that'll be a fun tour. Is that something that is going to be UK specific, or do you see yourself coming over here, or do I need to phone Adam Parsons and and you know get him to book some few dates? Yeah, you need you definitely need to talk to Adam Parsons, and and I would call him now if you want to get something done by April. He's a <laughs> he's very in demand that Adam Parsons. I, I'm trying to get a hold of him myself, but to figure it all out. But uh, I'm excited, you know. I'm excited to you know be an American comedian overseas, and and uh, you know, I mean, my jokes don't even work that well in America. So you know, maybe I go over there, and I'm all of a sudden I'm like. You know the David Hasselhoff of Germany. You know maybe I'm maybe I'm huge in Belgium and I don't even know it. That would be great. But you, but I I know how you. I mean, look, I'm going to give you career advice. Okay, so sit back here. Here's how it goes. To become very very popular in the UK, you have to do the one following thing: lots of Faulty Tower references. <laughs> well, I used to watch that when I was a kid on the, the public television station here in America. So. Um, I just would take a few few days to, to brush up on my old Faulty Towers episodes. But, uh, yeah, being a Monty Python fan and loving Cleese and all those guys, uh, yeah, I will uh, definitely pepper those in. And uh, if, if uh, All if, seven if episodes. Works, yeah. all, is that what it was? I don't know. That, there wasn't a lot. There was like seven or nine or certainly less than 20. And what was that the, uh, the, the houseboy called? Uh... Pepe or Pedro or I don't even know. something like that. Yeah. By the way, last year I got to interview John Cleese before his Montreal show. I got to spend a whole uh, 12 minutes with him. Fascinating. It had nothing to do with rock music, but sometimes I get these calls. Do you want to interview? And I just go, yeah, yes, I do. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I interviewed John Cleese and I interviewed Boy George and I interviewed the, the girl from Banana Rama. And people are like, what the fuck are you doing? You got a rock show? I go, I don't fucking care. It's John Cleese. And like it or not, Boy George was a cultural icon in the 80s. Yeah, I'm going to talk to them. Anyway. But, uh, well, look, I, John Cleese, yeah, you're not, you're certainly not turning that. And the fact that he gave you 12 minutes and I'm only giving you 11 yeah. um, says a lot about what a superstar he is. Well, in fact, I'm only giving you five, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the next six minutes, yeah. you're actually going to be talking to my son, and it'll be off the record. But don't worry about it. We'll just pretend. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there you go. But uh, denim and leather, uh, denim and laughter, denim and leather is great. Go buy it if you haven't. But denim and laughter is out now on Metal Blade Records, uh, courtesy of Brian Slagle, of course, who is a hockey fan. I think he roots for the San Jose Sharks or some horrible team that we don't want to talk about but uh just quickly talk to me about brian because he has brought the world metallica and he's brought the world all kinds of great metal and now i guess he's i don't know if he's branching out but he's like hey you know what let's give don 
this deal. Let's move comedy forward because comedy is kind of rock and roll and metal. Right. And, you know, what happened was I went on the road and I hoped the first band I ever opened for on tour was Charred Walls of the Damned. And they're, they're a, a band on that label uh, featuring Tim Ripper Owens on vocals. And um, Brian saw me and he's like, wow, I've, I've never seen a comedian uh, open for a band in like the last 25 years. And I said, yeah, it's, you know, I'm hopefully going to make this kind of cool again because I always loved the comics who did that, you know, years ago. I always thought it was such a, a cool combination. So um, he offered me a record deal, and uh, this is my fourth stand-up album with him. And, uh, you know, also on the labels, Jim Florentine and Jim Brewer. So it's the three of us there. And um, apparently comedians are more of a pain in the ass than uh, musicians because he said he's not going to sign any more comedians. So <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, grateful to be there. But he's got Florentine on there. So that means he's sort of just handing out contracts to anybody at this point. That's kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be it must be Florentine's fault because I, I consider myself pretty easygoing. But uh, right, right, right. yeah, that was the one thing I was always missing for me. You know, it was like I wanted that connection. I love keeping that connection with the world of hard rock and metal with what I do because the the people that know me as a nightclub comedian, where you know my act is a little more broad. Um, you know, you're going to get that on this album. For the people who know me as the guy who goes out and screams at the rock audience for a half hour before a band, that's represented on there as well. So get get the, the best or the least worst of both worlds. The least worst of both worlds. And and since <laughs> we, we do want you to have a Denim and Laughter Part 2, I think you should take the floor now and make sure you kiss Brian Slagle's ass. So tell me, why you think he is the most important hard rock metal CEO today? Well, 38 years in the business and still going strong. Um, that's a big one. Um, you know, a lot of, look what happened to the record companies. You know, Lars predicted it. He said, you guys are going to be in trouble. And they, and they all crumbled. But Metal Blade stayed. They changed with the times. But yet, you know, Brian's like you. He he's not worried about you know you go you do banana rama you can do jo boy George John Cleese whatever you want Brian does the same thing sure the core is the heavy stuff um, King Diamond Amana Marth stuff like that but if he wants to sign a comedian he does it if he likes them you know he's got a band on Metal Blade called Mother Feather they're sort of like almost like uh, performance art kind of you know rock just straight-up rock cabaret kind of thing. He likes them, so he signed them. So that pretty much makes him the greatest uh, record label CEO of all time. It, it, it does. And, and listen, I have an incredible amount of respect. I think I might have met him once. I don't know, but but you know the story, and you know... In fact, you know what? I, I did tour the Metal Blade factory or, or head office in somewhere California, Santa Clarita or something like that, and um, you have to have the respect because when they started out, they didn't have, you know, billboard chart topping things. And yet, like the little train that could, they just kept going and going and going. And in 2020, you know, where's Paris Records these days? Oh, I don't know. But Metal Blade is still there. So good for them. Anyway, that's, that's and, my... And, and he shaped both of our musical tastes. Since, you know, we were teenagers, right? So, for, again, for that alone, 
uh, is incredible. And, uh, you know, these days he helps pay my mortgage. So I love the guy. Yeah, me too. Uh, and on that, uh, let us get over to the one and only Don Dawkins. He's going to talk to us about his new upcoming Dawkins record and, of course, the tour dates with George Lynch. And uh, as we say in Montreal, le voici. Here he is, le seul unique, the one and only Don Dawkins. Ever wonder what Vince Neil would sound like if he was a black belt in Taekwondo? What about what his favorite McDonald's menu item is? Just hold the pickles. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFun. Well, there you go. And uh, here is from the band Black Swan, vocalist, singer, Robin McCauley. We are speaking with a singer Robin McCauley. Of course, uh, does all his work with Michael Schenker, but now... New band, Black Swan, featuring, of course, my favorite, uh, Jeff Pilsen, and a bunch of other guys. But no, I'm kidding. No, uh, we've also got uh, Reb Beach and uh, Matt Starr. But uh, Robin, as we say in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? I am doing good, Mitch. Good morning. And thanks for uh, having me on Rock and Metal Revival, man. Yeah, you know, that's what I do. I like to promote rock. I like to promote metal. I love to promote all this stuff. And, of course, uh, Black Swan is the new album. But, of course... Before we get to that, uh, I, I am going to ask you about your health because I saw that you had this diagnosis with sepsis, and my heart sank. I went, no, 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 right. no, no, not Rob. And I, you know, I, I just yeah. saw you with the Michael Schenker Fest in Montreal last year, and 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 I love your voice. And I, I was like, oh no, not not him. So come on. So how are you physically? Yeah. Dead man walking. <laughs> yeah. I am. I'm. I'm doing fantastic, and thank you for asking. Um, um, I'll make it really short. This was an absolute uh, uninvited guest, uh, a total shocker. Um, I stay really healthy. Um, the long and the short of it was, Mitch. Uh, I had been to church with my family on the morning of January the fifth, on the Sunday morning. We came home, had a family breakfast, and my wife. Uh, was coming on the 70,000 tons of metal cruise uh, leaving out of Florida uh, with me. And about an hour before we were leaving home, um, I started complaining that I was suddenly really cold. And they're going, it's like really hot outside. It's not cold. And then I got more cold and my body went into total shock. Um I thought I was getting a seizure or something. I didn't know what was happening. And then I was, it, it wasn't in my control anymore. Um, <clears throat> next thing I know, my son, Jamie, called 911. Um, my wife and other son made a run to the pharmacy to pick up whatever. And in the 20 minutes um, that they got back to the house, there's a paramedics in my hallway and they're dragging me into the ambulance. And off I went to the ER. Um, later in the day, I was transferred to an ICU unit and then I was put into a 12 hour critical state. Um, the story is that I somehow, uh, had contracted the E. coli virus that became a bladder infection that became sepsis that, uh, was hell bent for leather once take me out. And, uh, it was a, it was not a good time. I had, my temperature was like 104 point something. Um, I had no symptoms, um, and it took me out for the best part of a month. I've been back at the Vegas show now for two weeks, and uh, we're kicking some ass, <laughs> and I'm doing great. Um, didn't see it coming, and uh, I'm not sure I see it coming again because 
I wasn't particularly looking for anything. Um, so goes to show you, you can at one minute be great, as I thought, you know, you have to have some sort of underlying uh, um, symptom. Apparently not. Um, or if I did, I didn't get uh, I didn't get the memo, <laughs> put it like that. Wow. But I feel fantastic now. And uh, as far as Shanker goes, um, we're prepping to leave for Japan first week of uh, March, then into the UK, April, and the rest of Europe, and then back into the States. So, um, yeah, I feel really good. Thank you. Um, can't even explain that one. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. and that's yeah. good news, you know, because uh, you you turn on the internet every every day and you you see this person has this and then Ozzy has Parkinson's right? and this yeah. guy and you you just yeah. go, oh come on no 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 can't have that. But all right, let, let's yeah. get to the positive because I don't want to I don't want to stay on this too too long and I don't want to take up the time on Michael Schenker stuff. I think people need to yeah, but people need to know too. I think I suppose you know I I never even this is this is, sounds really I never even heard of sepsis. I know what septic is, <laughs> but I'd never even heard of sepsis. I know what it is now, I can tell you, you know, um, and I don't want it anymore. It's very, very dangerous. It, it gets, in, gets into your system, poisons your blood, starts to uh, shut down your organs as it's making its sleazy travel through your system, gets to your heart, and it's all over. And uh, I had a great medical team, good family, great nurses, and... Uh, I got out of that one. Jeez. So, I mean, let's, I, let's leave that behind. <laughs> I, I know this song is a crash course in brain surgery, but this was crash course in sepsis, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that course. No, Jesus. You, no, no, you don't. No, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. But, but, but let's... Uh, yeah, it's behind us now. It's done. Thanks. Good. Thank yeah, thank God is right. But but what's yeah. a, what's ahead of us though is a black swan shake the world and yep. uh, back in I guess late November early December the artwork went up and I went wow look at that that is fucking fancy yeah. <laughs> that is some fancy artwork right there. Um, talk to me about artwork. working. Talk to me a little bit about working with with Reb and Jeff and, and Matt. We know that Frontiers likes doing super groups and then they do one album and then we never hear from them again and there's never a tour. But I don't think that's how yeah. Jeff works and I don't think that's how Reb works. They like to get out there. They like to bring the music to the people. Do you see this as a band moving forward outside of studio walls or is this a studio project that remains within four walls? The plan is to uh, absolutely get it out from behind the wall. Um I've known Jeff Pilson. Jeff was my best man 27 years ago this, this, this October. That's how long I've known Jeff Pilson. So we have a great family uh, friendship. Um, he also played on the last Macaulay Shanker studio record, in addition to uh, coming out and doing a bunch of unplugged shows with us. Reb I had met um, when he was doing some work with uh, Night Ranger, and I was out with Survivor. I met him backstage in one of the shows. Matt Starr. Um, I had worked with Matt in Hollywood doing some events and he also is uh, one of the sub drummers that we use in the Vegas show and, and Raiding the Rockfall. So um, fast forward, Jeff called me. Um, I had earlier spoken to Serafino. The timing wasn't right for me and I, I didn't just want to make another record. Um, and so we put it on hold. I was very busy with Shanker and everything else. And then Jeff called me. And he said, Serafino, 
wanted him to put together a group. Jeff jumped at the idea because he'd worked with Reb Beach on an earlier Dawkins record. So he calls Reb. Reb's totally up for it. He called me and he said, I'd love you to write with Reb. And I said, what's your involvement? And he said, uh, purely production. I, I, I won't be playing bass. And I'm going, yes, you will. <laughs> and um, he said, I've got some ideas for drummers and I've got some ideas for bass players. So if we can get you two guys together in the crazy schedules, we'll see what happens. And no talk about, I'm not, I don't like that title, super group and all of that sort of stuff. I just, just want to write songs with somebody that I enjoy writing music with. Anyway, we got together. They had sent me some uh, earlier chord structures, song ideas. I came back and sat in the studio with Reb and, and Jeff first time. And I said, okay, here's what I got for that idea. And I started laying down a, a verse and a chorus. And I called it Big Disaster. And Reb stopped and he looked at me and he said, well, you know, this is kind of like the first project we're kind of setting out on and you want to call it Big Disaster. <laughs> and I said, well, it's just a song title, you know. And uh, we kind of moved on from there. That's didn't really discuss any more writing, any other than, oh, this is this style, that's that style. And we just carried on. And we ended up with, with a great record, very powerful, very organic si sounding. We, of course, had Jeff play bass because it was never going to go any other way. And then Matt came in on the end and brought the thunder. And uh, it's great. I'm very, very happy with it. Well, it does sound absolutely fantastic. Now, musically, it, it, you did sort of have this organic pro progression, but, but do you look back at the bands that the members have been in with, with you and MSG and, and Dawkins and, and, you know, Reb doing some Night Ranger stuff and Jeff doing the four? Do you look at all these bands and say, okay, this is our fan base. We have to create sort of arena rock, uh, melodic rock. How do you sort of approach the style do you do you just sort of say no this is black swan we do what we do or do you have that thought where you go okay this is where these fans are going to come from so we've got to give them something like that no i know i know i didn't um obviously with the connection um <clears throat> to white snakes and wingers and dawkins and foreigners and shankers and all that sort of stuff there's there's, there's got to be a piece of something you know in your playing and your singing, because that's where we come from. Um, Black Swan, we didn't really talk too much about anything like that. Um, you know, when you when you get off the bus from a White Snake tour and you start playing guitar, it's going to be kind of White Snake-ish because it, it's fresh in your in your mind and you're playing. But we wanted something that was us, and we certainly didn't want to a produced, overproduced, processed-sounding record. I didn't. I said to Jeff, I said, you know, like guitar players, they pick their guitars and their amps, and, and I have my favorite mics, and Jeff goes, I want you to try this Neumann 67. It's very old. I think you're going to love it. And uh, I started wailing on a couple of ideas, and he goes, this microphone absolutely loves you. This is the one we're going to use. And he said, it captures who you are. It's going to make you sound like you. And he said, by the time we're done, this is going to sound in a way that people were going, huh, really? And and that's what we strive for, not any style, not anything in particular, just 
we need a song like that, and we need a song because that's what we do when we're writing. You know, we'll have a ballad. We won't have a ballad. We'll have a really fast song. We'll have a mid-tempo song. That's just part of the writing process that you do, uh, and then you have to see what comes out of it. Um, you know, they sent me this really cool riff uh, that I woke up to one morning, and I just went, "Oh, I love this. Listen, listen to that wolf sound that Reb has somehow." managed to put down over this this guitar riff intro. And I come to Jeff with this whole finished song, and I went, oh, that was really cool, the way he did that sort of wolf overtone sound. And Jeff goes, what wolf overtone sound? And I went, here. You didn't hear that? And he goes, no, I did not hear that. So I said, you know, I love vampire movies. And I wrote this whole song about vampires, and, and now what are we going to do? And so we finished the song and it became Immortal Souls. And it's one of my favorite tracks on the damn record, you know, out of something that I heard that, that he didn't never put there to begin with, but I heard it. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where it went. That's that... kind of where it would go. He'd play something. I'd hear something. He'd go, I don't hear that. That's, I wasn't even thinking about that. So um, no White Snake influence there <laughs> or winger. It was something that I heard and, and uh, <clears throat> I ran with it and it turned out great, you know, so it, it, that it, was kind of par for the course for the rest of the record, really. It really came out great. And, and of course, um, well, you know what, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to move along for a second here because we all know yeah. about Michael Schenkerfest. We know, we know about all this other stuff. You've got Black Swan. One of the parts of your career that fans may, might not know about or we don't talk a lot about is your five years with Survivor, which you mentioned before, you, you of course, had the Eye of the Tiger on, what was that, uh, Dancing with the Stars. Um, yeah. Talk to me about working with, with Frankie and working in that group and playing some of those iconic songs, very different to the metal stuff that you do or the really hard rock stuff that you do. Um, just talk to me a little bit about that five-year period and what that was like, and, and also, I guess... Being a working musician, you're doing writing the rock vault, you, you went and did Survivor. Um, it's important to sort of keep the chops up, right? Um, Survivor uh, goes back a long time before the period that I actually ended up joining Survivor. Uh, four years prior to that, I had um, written what became a solo record. It really wasn't the intention, but anyway, um, John Kalodner when he was with Geffen, um, put a call through to some people and he said, I would love Robin McCauley to write with Ricky Phillips. Ricky Phillips, of course, was with the babies and uh, Bad English and also with, with um, currently with Sticks for With, with Sticks, years. right. And, I, and I'd, I had known, yeah, and I had known Ricky. Um, but somehow in the midst of that, Frankie Sullivan got to hear about that and he goes, no, I want to write with him. And Frankie had come out to an unplugged MSG show uh, in Chicago some years before that, uh, unbeknownst to me. Um, and then I get a call from Frankie Sullivan um, to write some tunes together. And we got together at a studio in, in the Valley here in LA. And no, I'm not in LA now, but in LA. And we started working on a bunch of songs and that we finished the whole record and it became a solo record released only out of Japan with my name on it called uh, Business as Usual. Business as Usual, And yeah. at that time, Frankie, yeah. At that time, Frankie said to me, I need you to join Survivor. And I 
my exact reply was, Survivors of Pop Band were great songs. I'm not joining that band. And I said, you don't need me. You have a great singer in Jimmy Jameson. And that's the end of the story. I refused. I had no interest in it, period. And he was hammering me on it. No, this will be good. This will be great. And it's not a pop band. And your voice would be really good. This is what I need. And so and so and so on. I went, nope, not going to happen. Four years later, I get all of these emails and calls that I'd never replied to. My wife said, did you ever answer Frankie's uh, emails? And I went, nope. And she goes, well, just to be courteous, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be something you should do? And I went, no, I know what he wants. But then I had other people that connected with Frankie. They're calling me and going, that is your problem. Why don't you answer his emails? And I'm going, because I have no interest in this conversation. Anyway, long story endless. I called Frankie and I said, what do you want? And he goes, do this. Let's do this. So I had Mark Roubaix, his drummer, uh, drop off couple of CDs worth of material. They invited me into Chicago. Um, there was a shitload of songs to, uh, to learn. I am not Jimmy Jameson or Dave Bickler, maybe a little closer to Dave than Jimmy. Um, and um, an amazing catalog of really good songs. And I had to learn all of them practically. And um, we went, we rehearsed. And voila, about a week later, I get this call. We have a show here in Chicago at one of those fairs with Eddie Money. And I was stuck right out front in about 16, 20,000 people. had no idea what I was doing. And, um, you know, I know the fan base that Survivor has. And I went, oh, man, how am I supposed to sing The Search is Over and High on You and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Plus the fact, of course, not too many people were aware of the fact that Rocking Into the Night that was 16 weeks at number one uh, for 38 special is actually a survivor song as is hang on loosely. Another survivor song, big hits for 38 special. So we would put that into the set and people would go, why are you doing this? So Frankie would invariably tell the story. And um, it was five, six years with survivor. You know, when we did dancing with the stars was very early after I had joined, we had, um, I remember the program director because we had uh, American Idol directly across the hallway going live also. And I remember the program director coming to me in the green room and she said, five minutes and you guys are on. And we just took the number one slot for most viewers on the night at 86 million. No pressure on you because I was actually the only one singing live, you know, because they would roll out the stuff. It's just too difficult to, uh, to do all of that stuff live and move equipment around. <clears throat> so they'd run the track and I was actually singing live and I'm going, I want my mommy right now. <laughs> um, but we did it. Um, we did a bunch of shows, not, they don't work very much and I like to work. Um, but it lasted five or six years and uh, we did write and record some songs. Nothing ever got released. We had a great time doing that. Um, and there was a couple of great ballads in the mix of all of that, but never did see the light of day. And so we kind of just, there was a reunion with Jimmy and Dave, and that was the end of my period with uh, Survivor. Um, 
it's and a great story. Move on after that. Yeah, it's a great after story. That, yeah, that was that was the end of it. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned Eddie Money and uh, business as usual. Oh yeah, Eddie. Had Eddie. To... I sang backups for Eddie a couple of times with local shows where I live. I just used to have an absolute blast with that man. Loved him to death. Just the funniest, funniest man. He always had a joke, always. And uh, he was just big and bold and just had a great time. Good memories. Good, good memories. But I was also going to say you, you, you worked with uh, Kurt Cuomo on, on the business as usual. And course, on the, on the, bin, on the yeah. business as usual. And of course, yes. Kurt, yes. Kurt, Kurt had done a lot of stuff with Eddie. But I, I do want to ask you about that. Not so much the album, but... It was the only solo album. It was the one that was released only in Japan. Talk to me a little bit about why you haven't decided to go out and have a Michael, uh, not a Michael, a Robin McCauley solo career where you put your name on there. You know, you're, we're doing Black Swan now, and it's a great album. But why not say, hey, you know yeah. what? I need time for me. <laughs> I, I need my album. I need my 10 songs. I need my vision. Why has why has well, the solo thing not been your thing? I I like a band situation better. Um, I'm not really interested, and in it. it's not that important to me. Um, maybe the style of record, um, the style of writing, I I might have have, have uh, a pull and push direction. You know, I'm, I'm I, I loved. I'm a big Faces fan, so that's the kind of sound to do a real solo record that I'd be passionate about. Not that I'm not passionate about Black Swan, but as something that would be more, more, if somebody said, okay, let's really think about this. Let's do something that you is, is totally you, right? As a solo artist, I'd, I'd probably head down that road, keep it very, very eclectic, you know, mandolins, violins, all of that sort of stuff. Strip it right down, sassy, trashy rock and roll. I would love to do that. Um, on the bigger picture, I'm really not at all that interested in, in, uh, a solo career. Not enough people know me anyway, to begin with. So that would be a hard sell. Um, and again, uh, I'm not that egotistical to see my name up all by its lonesome on the front of an album cover. It just doesn't really matter that much to me. I love the, what I love is, is, is what happened the end result of this Black Swan record. And I, and I totally mean that. For me personally, at this point, it's the best record I have ever recorded, the best vocal sound I've ever had on any record that I've ever recorded. And um, that's how I feel about it. The rest was just too processed, too syrupy. And uh, while it suited the time, because you know there's a lot of stuff to get said about the Macaulay Schenker period. And my answer to that is, I didn't write the music. Michael Schenker wrote the music. I just sang over it, you know. Um, and then you have producers and a management company who go, well, we need the MTV hit and we need the radio hit. And if you don't have any of those, you don't get the tour. So it's got to be sort of tailored to that sort of a direction, blah, blah, blah. And, and of course, it was the middle 80s and you had your white snakes and your leopards and your warrants and your... All of, and the wingers and all of the above doing that sort of thing. So you either you fitted the realm or you you got lost in the heat, you know. And 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 so it was it was great for that time, 
you know, as as the point is writing something that was sort of, you know, like the newer 70s sounding band in the middle of the 80s, because where would it go? So it was very, and then of course, immediately after the long haired 80s rock, in came grunge and in came alternative and didn't fit at all. You know, they, they hoped, uh, they being the labels, hoped that the, uh, the old rockers would go away and, and die uh, a dignified dinosaur death. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like and good you grazing animals, like good grazing animals, we just hovered around until the time was right. And classic rock, I am very happy to say, is and has been alive and well for a very long time. And all of the rest of the stuff that was flavor of the week is bye-bye. There's a, there's a small, a very small handful of great bands that came through that haze uh, that, that managed to survive. So there's my answer to all of that. If, if any of that made sense, Mitch. It makes perfect sense. Now, I, I think you have an interview uh, coming up here, so I'll, I'll, I'll just finish. Yeah, it. I see the call coming through right now. I well, can... <laughs> you know what? Let us uh, pick up. Uh, let's, let's do a part two at some point. Uh, always a pleasure to, 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 to chat with you online you, and sir. stuff. And, My uh, pleasure. Bonne chance and merci. Thank we'll do it again. Excellent. Thank you so much. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Thank you. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.